Hey everybody, welcome back to The Rift, Enlightenment Within the Divide. It's been a long while since I've had an episode here, so hopefully you guys are still waiting with bated breath to listen to this new episode. But we've got uh, one of my brothers with me that's been on before, and I'm I'm a regular on his podcast, um, The Borderlands, right? Borderlands Podcast. Uh, today we're just going to talk a little bit about the pandemic, uh, a little bit of its effects, kind of common common stuff. And I want to delve in a little bit on uh, free speech and you know what is going on with tech and maybe censorship and stuff, and just see how how the conversation goes. So, for those of you out there, if you want to talk to me and have something you feel like you want to say, please. Email me at soyoholdings at gmail.com or just comment below. For those of you who just like to listen, well, relax and enjoy the conversation. Right, uh, I'm going to add a little bit to this. Uh, for those of you that obviously are just listening, I want to tell you that David, who is my oldest brother, is making fun of this music in the intro while he's is looking at me. Is my mic on? Yes, your mic is on. I, man, I barely hear myself. Turn my level up again, the, the, the headset volume. Okay, good, good. Um, you know, but I like the music. It's rustic. It doesn't really have, it doesn't define me in any way. Uh, but you know, it's something that I can, I can do that. Um, it doesn't get me in trouble because it has no copyrights. <laughs> it's like, I, did you check that zero copyright? Yeah. Cause it's uh, terrible. Whatsoever. Yeah. Like you don't have to give credit. Don't even have to, to give, don't even have to give credit. Okay. I, I think I, I'm finally happy with my level. We messed with these mics. What for like 20 minutes beforehand? Yeah, I had moved um, everything around in here. Um, I, I do my operation. David's got his kind of in his basement. Mine is in my detached garage, which, hmm. believe it or not, is a big garage, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, a sizable. It's a fairly big garage, but it's stuffed full of lawn equipment. I have two tables. But anyway, we had a massive rain this morning. It's uh, Today is the recording day. It's October the 9th, 2021, yes. and it absolutely piss poured the rain for an hour to two straight hours and um the garage flooded <laughs> so uh, i just happened to buy fans that were on sale two different types of fans one of those ones that looks like a big whistle you know mm-hmm. that they have for water cleanup and then a big uh, you can see it right here on the ground david uh, 18 inch thing for oh, specifically yeah. made for drying up wet spots and so i pulled it out of my van and Ying helped me sweep the water out of the door, and then we ran the fans. But I ended up saying, you know what? We need to move stuff around. So we moved everything around, all of the well, – actually, I just undid uh, all – I have done a couple podcasts since we got back from going down to Florida, but most of this equipment here was not unpackaged. It was still packaged mm. up from when we went on that trip. I forgot. We, we took that down there and never even recorded. Never even recorded. So We were just too wasted the whole time. <laughs> hey, but anyway, David, thanks for coming. Yeah, well, I uh, I don't want to 
hijack your podcast, I do want to uh, circle back. Um, where, how did you find your theme song or your intro song, whatever? Uh, well, the fir- I did the, what's the name of that uh, website? You had sent me the website. Uh, do you remember the name? Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot the name of that. Like uh, Free Music or something like that. Mm. Uh, but... It wasn't so really that free, um, and you pointed it out to me that they had different uh, restrictions and, and things, and so like the first couple I did, I probably shouldn't have used the music, and then you had sent me into the... the. Yeah, I'm curious. I can't, like, I can't believe I, I don't recall the name of that website, um, but I... It was something like something or other music or... Um, well, yeah, I think it comes up if you look for like royalty-free music or something. But um, there's different degrees of royalty freeness. Like a lot of those tracks, you have to actually give credit to the um, the artist. Yeah, who, some of them who, you have to actually get permission. Well, yeah. So, like at the highest level of um, uh, control or copyright, you you have to get permission or you have to pay royalties or whatever to use it. Um, but what we, I think you and I both were looking for was, you know, quote, royalty free. And what I stumbled upon was totally royalty free, except you, I had to cite um, in the episode description, you know, who the artist was and what the track name yeah, was. Yeah, you had and to give credit for the artist. To, you had to put a link to the license for it as well. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, like, are you obligated to do that? No. Okay. I went because there is one where it's completely free, and I ended up because I because I didn't want to screw it up at all. Right. <laughs> and I found two that I interchange every so often that are totally free. You know what I mean? That I don't have to reference. I guess it's because I, I mean it's okay music, but it's very bland, and it's the same music I use to. Um, on my YouTube channel where I have drone videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the same background music I've got on my drone videos. It's a pretty good safety net for not getting anybody saying, Hey, mm-hmm. use my mm-hmm. music. Um, I think it's called the free music archive. Free, yeah. It was, yeah. I knew it was something real like it was makes you think everything on there is okay. And I mean, it is all technically free. It's just, you have to go through certain hoops to make but sure that it's, it's free in the, it's free in so much as you don't have to pay anything to listen to it. Right, and you don't have to pay the artist. You just have to pr- appropriately get permission. Well, or, no, so you can listen to anything on the site through your own headphones or anything, but the minute you broadcast it, that's when things change. Mm-hmm. That's when the t- concept of royalty or credit comes into play, whatever. So anyways, I, we diverge. Um, but I would just tell you, you know, that's a searchable database. You can put in genre genres well i did do and, that uh, yeah and what degree of license that you want what i did was degree of license yeah and then i just started clicking on whatever yeah oh and was, there's like i so i put in like i think what my search term was like punk rock as odd as that sounds uh and i wanted like the uh, licensing term i think it's like the 4.0 something I, I can't remember the terminology it's been so long ago um and literally, like a hundred thousand hits came up. Like, so you just have to sit there and listen through. Most of it's crap. I mean, I hate to say that, but like, 
Oh, most, most of, most of it is complete garbage. Kind of like what I'm playing right now. No, uh, no, but you know, it. I'm glad that you turned me on to that. That, that you were the person that turned me on to that uh, website in the first place. I just mm-hmm. didn't really know what I was looking for at the beginning, and just went with, "Oh, this sounds great." And it turns out that yeah, okay. wasn't. I wasn't really. Let's steer us back in the right per- direction. Well, but what I wanted to talk, touch base on a little bit is, um, and we hit on this a lot, but is the the pandemic and the quote recovery and is it in our opinions um or your opinion specifically david because we both although we live in huntington we you live a lot of your life in charleston i live a lot of mine in huntington Uh, we have two totally different professions and we have two uh, different viewpoints on on the world but is it a recovery first of all so would you say and i know that we i have spoken to you specifically about this but um, are we bouncing back? So these are the broad points here, and we'll get into specifics. Are we bouncing back? I did a podcast almost solely during the pandemic with my friend Brian Cox, if, you, if anybody wants to go back and listen to it, about will buffets go extinct? That was mm. the title of the podcast. Yeah, and I they are that. going extinct. Yeah, One of the largest buffet chains today or Friday announced they were not opening back up. Although I'll tell you this, uh, we went to Giovanni's we, uh, after the girls' uh, preschool let out on this past Friday. We went to Giovanni's in Barbersville, and uh, I about hit the floor when we walked in there. They're, they have a pizza buffet. Awesome. I mean, that, I was totally shocked. I thought the buffets were gone. Now, were people it. handing you the slices you wanted, or did you get whatever nope. you wanted? There you nope. go. You just, like the old-fashioned buffet, they had a stack of clean plates. You got a clean plate every time. And you served your own pizza and cheese sticks and salad, even. I mean, just like it used to be. And uh, ow. <laughs> I was floored to see that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, you know, so I, we haven't gone to any buffets really recently. Um, at the time of the recording of my uh, podcast about will buffets go extinct, we did go to a Chinese buffet at that time and Everything was kind of on lock and key. They still had a, quote, buffet, but the people at the restaurant were spooning it onto the yeah. plate for you. And um, it was very hard to eat your heart out there. Um, but so some of the things I wanted to talk about. So today, for instance, I took my family to the Pumpkin Festival, and it was booming. Mm-hmm. Everybody and their brother is wanting to get out and go and do all that. So when you look at that, in my opinion, you're like, man, everything's really bouncing back. Everybody wants to do a whole bunch of stuff. But then when you're just listening or watching TV, listening to the radio or watching TV, you know, you see supply chain shortages. Nobody's wanting to work. There's horrible job reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of restaurants, <clears throat> even restaurants in this area don't work, don't operate on the same hours. Yeah, so I was going to ask you to clarify when you put out there, are are we recovering or are we not? So I want to know, what is your definition of recovery? Because like I would say, are we recovering medically? What? Are, are we requiring, uh, um, I'm, are we recovering uh, societally? I will give it to you. I'll give it to you very specifically because, and this is uh, my opinion, but I think that medically and everything, that is all, in my opinion, that has already been written. 
Uh, I think that everybody will probably eventually get this. It's going to be with us to stay. Everything that's happening medically um, is already going to transpire. It's whether we drag it out or not. My thing is, so so the things related to that, I think, honestly, are irrelevant and in, induced by something other than the actual virus. Um, the economy is what I'm the most worried about the health of our economy and the health of our society and culture. Mm -hmm. Are they going to recover? I think we can get over the medical part. I mean, it's part of our human nature and we do have a vaccine and we can update the vaccine and we've got therapeutics and things. And yeah, it, it is bad, but I think that although most people haven't mentally gotten over that concept that this is with us to stay my opinion is that part needs to kind of be locked up and put to the side. That's not the issue anymore. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's my opinion. So we, are we able, are, have we recovered and are we going to recover economically and societally? Well, I'm going to say this. Um, I don't think I'm going out on the limb here. I don't think I'm risking any of my, if my social standing or anything, we will not ever recover from this situation as long as this remains a political issue. Okay. Um, you know, I hate to even bring up the concept of science because it's been, the word's been overused. It's been misused, but like literally if we, if we did what's scientifically correct, uh, we use vaccines the way we're supposed to, we use therapeutics. So we use vaccines are a, uh, prophylactic measure or prevention measure right mm-hmm. it's not a not necessarily a cure especially when your vaccine isn't 100 percent effective uh and then there's treatment modalities okay so treatment is <clears throat> uh medicines that you put in your body uh hospitalization if necessary supportive care whatever um so and we so we need to look at what what actually works? Does the vaccine work? Well, yes and no. You know, it's, it's not going to eradicate this thing. But that's where everything's politicized. Okay? Every, uh, the, the federal governments, some state governments, uh, certainly some local governments, local uh, businesses, local organizations are coming down, like, really hard on people, mandating vaccines. People are getting fired from their jobs or at least threatened to be fired from their jobs uh, in order to force a vaccine on people. I don't think that's correct. Historically, you know, and I've, I can, I'm not sitting on the fence. I don't believe, but I see both sides of the coin. So I've lived um, my whole life as a vaccinated kid, you know, taking all the requisite vaccines to go to public school. And I think as a result you know, I've grown up very accepting of vaccines. I think if you look at certain pathogens, we've eradicated them worldwide or very nearly eradicated them. Vaccines have done good. So that's the way I look at it. Vaccines are fine. I think most of them are harmless. Uh, some of the harm that's been suggested historically with vaccines has been, I would argue, 100% discredited. And I'm not going to talk about the specific specifics of that, but um, the the vaccine harm 
hypotheses have been discredited very solidly, in my opinion, at least. So anyways, what what am I saying? Let me get back on track. The, to politicize the taking of a vaccine um, and to tie that to your employment and to tie that to your uh, your livelihood is awful, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, how can someone say... And, They've especially taken when something. We, what a, and especially in the face of all the worker shortages that we have across this country. And I, don't, I can't speak for other countries. I don't know what the situation is elsewhere outside of the U.S., but I can speak for the U.S. There are shortages of workers universally. Like, I don't care what sector you're talking about. I have personal experience with the healthcare sector and, of course, with, like, uh, food and beverage, like, service sector in general, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've gone to places that would normally be open for business uh, locally that are not open for business. They've altered their business hours because of staffing shortages. Um, I know personally yeah. at the, the, the facilities that I work at, um, they are closing down entire units or portions of units in the hospitals because there's a shortage of uh, nurses nursing assistants, uh, other supportive staff, tech staff, whatever. Well, now, um, now you're speaking about specifically what I was talking about. Um, and, and, and you led into that really well. I think it's, that is the thing. Like, are we really getting over this? No, we've well, got let me, massive let me finish what shortages. My train of thought, actually, I hate to interrupt you. Well, I wanted to say that but, you tied it into the mandating it yeah, but, and doing so that why, as a societal why, thing. No, not, but my issue with this is why are you going to start cutting your staff? Why are you going to tie your employment to a, a vaccine mandate when you've already lost significant numbers of providers in this field? You know what I'm saying? You don't. Like why in the hell would you um, kick more of them out? I'd give you an answer to that, but that would probably be because there is only one real reason that would make any sense, and it's disturbing. Yeah. So well, I'm not even going to. I mean, there's power uh, at play here. Yeah, there's clearly. power at play, and it and it's disturbing. But what I wanted to say about mandating these vaccines and affecting people's livelihoods and everything, that's where they're taking the medical part of this, and it's meshing with societal and cultural yeah. part of the recovery. You can never fully recover if you can't get everybody on board. And there's been some disturbing stuff that's come out now where, you know, people are telling that you know they they have taken the mandated vaccine for their work but they disagreed with it and whatever and they're being quote canceled which is interesting because the whole point is to get someone to take the vaccine and here I'm going to get somewhat political but I find it very fascinating that they took the vaccine and that wasn't good enough so it's not uh, it's not it's it's political it's not just about taking the vaccine it is it is about towing the line you know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like the guy in 1984 where he, they're trying to get him to say two plus two is five and find, they put a cage with rats in it around his face and he keeps saying, okay, two plus two is five. And they're like, you don't mean it. Yeah. And you have to say it like you mean it. So now it's not just get, at this point, I personally feel like, and it doesn't even matter if you get the vaccine. You have to mean it. Like, you can't just get the vaccine and still say, well, I think other people uh, shouldn't get it. 
um, mm-hmm. because of this and that, whatever. It's their choice. You have to get 100% on board or shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, and I think one of the, another problem is that um, nowadays, if you're anti-mandate, you're automatically lumped in with the anti-vaxxers of the world. And, you know, there's some uh, anti-vaxxers, I think, are historically somewhat extremist. I don't know. A little bit loony. <laughs> I mean, I hate to, I don't know, because I know some of them personally and I like them. But, um, yeah, I just, I wish people would be a little more open-minded about vaccines yeah i know several uh, but i but there's a distinct difference between between being anti-mandate and anti-vaccine correct yes so <clears throat> i mean i'm hugely pro-vaccine you know i'm never going to go out and come out against a vaccine <clears throat> i think the technology and the science is sound and all these things have a great track record and i think we should all be thankful that we don't see polio we don't see smallpox, you know, we very rarely see measles, um, stuff like that, rheumatic fever, those sort of things, right? Because of vaccinations. However, I will be, go on record saying I'm anti-mandate. You know, I think that the, the emphasis should be on educating, uh, education, and it's encouraging people to make up their own minds and, you know, Sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some, right? I mean, you can't convince everyone to take it. And I, I think that's a perfectly acceptable outcome in the end. Right. And, and so I don't, though, where I want to steer this conversation is not around the vaccine mandate, not around the medical part of it, although this is an interesting conversation, but it's, and I, I'm kind of trying to pull this back, but it, are we actually <clears throat> recovering? The answer is no. Yeah, the answer, I think the answer is no. And I want to throw out some bullet points like you've already said, but, and I've pointed out we've got supply chain issues and we have those issues for a number of reasons. There's a lack of workforce. The government's been paying people not to work for so long that now they're used to it. They're getting massive government benefits, whether or not they're getting unemployment benefits anymore. You can get your rent paid for basically in perpetuity at this point. (laughs) just by being able to claim that you've been around or your your eyes have seen someone that had had COVID, mm-hmm. you can get 18 months of rent paid. You know, so there's all these indirect payments. The, the, the government may not be giving so, you money directly in your pocket. So there's just no incentive to work. Are the, so the, the quote, landlords or whatever you call the, the actual property owners, are they getting paid now? Finally, but it take um, and I have not had until recently anybody try to get a claim on that, mm-hmm. and I have a couple months ago, and I'm it's still pending um, the status of their claim, but the claim they will get paid for eighteen months of rent, two people, and the thing is, is if you Google it it's about what it pays for and how you get it covered. A hundred percent of the population could get their rent paid for if you just go there and say. What about mortgages? Now, Same no, thing? So, no, exactly, no. no, no, not not mortgages, not me. You know, I don't get any assistance. Yeah, I get their rent paid, but that's not assistance. That's the rent, like that's right. You know, um, and it's delayed. Uh, so, 
there's always still accountability for those that uh, seem to have responsibility. And I'm going to sound, because there are people that legitimately need this stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it just seems a little bit screwed up. So when you see that stuff, I can't help, but I can't help but think, no, we're not recovering. And I don't know if in my lifetime we will ever recover. And just like I said this to somebody today, you know, these people that are, big time environmentalist and I love the environment, but I've always in my profession was into, you know, oil exploration drilling. So I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. You know, people would always argue, what do you think about the environment? Well, what do you want to leave your kids? Well, I'd like to ask to pose to people because I don't think we're recovering from this. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the environment, but (laughs) what do you want to leave your kids? Mm -hmm. Do you want to leave them this mess where everybody walking around is being accused of basically being a walking has hazard hazmat person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that that's how life is going to be going forward just so that one group of people can remain in control because that's basically what's going on this virus is not that deadly yes it's well, a serious thing but it's not like let me interject something here though so i mean <clears throat> i don't know how closely you follow the news like national news but um, the COVID death numbers thus far this year have exceeded the death numbers from all of last year. I have fa- I have heard that. So I think this has been largely swept under the rug until maybe the last couple of days. I've seen it on all the national news outlets, all the the you know CNNs and Foxes and all this. We've had more deaths now this year than we did all of last year. So that tells me, you know the the virus is still killing people. It's not becoming any less deadly. Now, was it super deadly to start with? I think as a percentage, no. Or as, you know, deaths per 100,000 or deaths per million, whatever they quote now, no. It's still not incredibly deadly. However, I mean, the numbers are still piling up and piling up. And they're staggering. I mean, it's a lot yeah. of, yeah. I think the number's over 700,000 people dead in the U.S. from it, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's not a tiny number. Um However, relative to our total population, it is a small percentage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but no, so I would interject that, that, you know, is it becoming less deadly? You know, I think they would, <laughs> there's some reports that would make us believe that, you know, um, but then the numbers are the numbers. And then again, like I, I always talk about this. I remember early on when COVID deaths were being reported, you know, we accused the uh, entities that were reporting this of inflating the numbers. You know, they, the, the reports on the, uh, on the news was, well, this guy, you know, was shot in the head, but he also tested positive for COVID. So they called that a COVID death. Oh yeah. Or this person had a terminal, terminal cancer. Oh, but they also tested positive for COVID so that when they died, that was a COVID death. Um, so, you know, look at a year ago, 18 months ago, something like that. We didn't trust the numbers that were reported. Now, all of a sudden, we do. People are referencing these numbers as if they're really solid. And and I don't know how to treat them. Don't get me wrong. I don't know how to treat these numbers. I, you know, I think, you know, maybe some people have, <coughs> uh, you know, when we talk about trauma victims, um, there are uh, grave injuries you know, fatal injuries. And then there are not, 
there are injuries that are severe but are survivable. But what if you sprinkle COVID in there, you know, and some and someone succumbed to their injuries? Maybe COVID, maybe that was a COVID-related death. I don't know. A heart attacks, you know, there are massive fatal heart attacks. However, there are some, you know, there's a certain number of heart attacks that are definitely survivable. But what if you have COVID on top of that? So maybe you can blame those heart attack deaths on COVID. I mean, I don't know right. how to take these. Well, I think, and so I think a lot of that still is into the, <clears throat> what some of what I don't really want to get into, but I think it is important to discuss, but basically the virus. So I think that my, my baseline and the baseline for this discussion is, which gets proven with those numbers, if you believe them, um, it's here to, to stay. <laughs> Like, it, 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 you know, it's it's going to be here for the long haul. Um, we have the vaccine. The vaccine is readily available for anybody who wants it. It's free. Um, it's no charge to the consumer. Right, no charge to the consumer. <laughs> which, that's how you would say it to anybody. It's it's free. I mean, you wouldn't. Okay, sure. You know what I mean? To, for you to go get. Um, if you don't have it now, either, and you want it, go get it. And otherwise, nothing anybody says or sings to you or offers you or whatever or threatens you is going to make you take it. So my point is it is it, it is here to stay. So we've got we need to as a society, as humanity, because this is a global phenomenon. This isn't just the U.S. Get over it. As sad and sickening as that sounds, because it is killing people, um, we're like in my opinion, we, our recovery is not only stagnant, but we're, I feel like we're hanging on a ledge. Mm -hmm. We're just hanging on a cliff ledge. You know, you got, nobody really is working. Shifts are being, people are quitting the hospital. They can't staff the whole hospitals anyway. That's just the hospital as an example, but fast food restaurants. And I know that's not important for the survival of the people, but jobs are important for the survival of, of, of the country mm -hmm. and you can't yeah we don't all need fast food but we need the jobs fast food provides particularly in places like huntington west virginia to have a percentage of our population employed correct <laughs> so i mean it, it it provides employment you know the gears the best way that i see it is this pandemic as deadly as it is the biggest problem is the economy and the thing that keeps everything rolling had a massive wrench thrown in it and it's like stuck mm -hmm. and then even when they get it pulled out it's going to take forever i mean we may be talking about this for 10 10 years or more to the point where it is quote the new normal and that's what I'm saying is it does worry me that my kids are going to be raised in a new normal where you can't just solve the problems on your own. You have to have the government involved to be able to do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I want to go, I want to go back and talk about this economy thing. So yeah. like, this is what I really want to get into. Well, so a lot of people critical. would uh, tell you that the economy is booming. I mean, hell, I, I remember seeing, uh, at, while I was at work last Thursday, uh, going into Friday, that, that, that like the Dow Jones industrial average was up five, six hundred, seven hundred points, something like that. 
And so all, you know, all the commentary is the, the economy is strong. The economy is booming. Things are going wonderfully. However, I just got in the mail uh, Friday, <laughs> a quarterly statement from one of my uh, IRAs. And I opened it up and I just said, huh, I lost 1.8% on the value of this account in the last quarter. I looked at Megan and I said, you want to know the last time this thing was negative for a quarter? Mid-2009. Yeah, wow. Prior to this quarter, I mean, I can tell you every statement historically. I like I I know this account really well for whatever reason. <laughs> like the, the previous quarter, so second quarter uh, of this year, it made 8%. I think first quarter of this year, it made 9 or 10%. I hate to call it, you know, the quote Trump era. But during the Trump presidency, this IRA account killed it. It probably made 30 to 40%. Um, but now I'm seeing losses in the account. So how, like, I'm trying to reconcile that with, you know, every time I turn on CNN or whatever, you see the little ticker down there, Dow Jones is up to, you know, 30-some thousand points. Just gained 500 points today. Like, record territory all the time. Why am I losing money in a retirement account. There's something going wrong. Oh yeah. In the economy. Um, and that this may just be the first symptom of it. People are going to lose money in their investments. Um, right. So, you know, do, is there, is, are we recovering? I would say no. And I would also say that we're, like I said, we're hanging on a cliff. It's a ticking time bomb. Um, there is, way too much money out there mm-hmm. way too much you know people getting their rent paid and, and that's that's just money that's like a subsidy a subsidy so it's not really cash in someone's pocket but it frees up the cash that they do have to go blow on something else there's too many dollars chasing too few goods which is mm-hmm. the definition of inflation and we have too few. Right. We have too few goods for a number of reasons. Um, the supply chain's destroyed. Nobody's working. But yet we have somehow we have shitloads of dollars. And how's that? We keep printing it and printing it and printing it and giving it to people to stay home. So how? When you wonder why everything at the grocery store is double or triple what it was even a year ago, it's because now everybody can buy that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's only so much. Not everybody can go buy a ribeye right. steak. I mean, there's not enough ribeye steaks out there. So to make <laughs> it so that the same amount of people can buy the steak, you triple the price mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because there's not enough. That's right, buddy. And I mean, it's just pretty pretty simple. So that part of the recovery, inflation is, is uh, and I know this conversation is all over the place, but it's not getting better. And then societally and culturally, so we're, this, we've been speaking an awful lot about the medical st- stuff and, and economically, but I think societally and culturally, um, oh I think a dead, we got the door to my garage open and a, I think there's an animal's died outside and it's fanned in here. Fumes, uh, Either that or somebody shit their <laughs> pants just now. It's been released in the studio. <laughs> but societally, Okay. Well, let's talk about societally and let's talk about 
Huntington, West Virginia, buddy. I think this is a good case study in uh, are we returning to normal or are we recovering? I don't know if you follow this, but Huntington, West Virginia, city of Huntington has canceled the uh, annual fire parade, canceled uh, the, the Halloween parade, or maybe those two are one and the same. I can't remember. Canceled the Christmas parade. Um, there's another cancellation. I can't remember, but uh, all in fear of spreading COVID-19 of these events being super spreader events. Okay. However, you want to know what has persisted throughout all of this? Marshall football games. Uh, okay. Mar- that's not where I was going to open because I think the attendance there is kind of lame, <laughs> but, and I, but it always has been, I mean, not because of COVID, but, um, you know, they, they started having those Ninth Street Live musical performances where all these businesses were businesses were allowed to have tables outside, you know, open containers all throughout downtown Huntington. Great idea. I'm all for it. I don't want anyone here to listen to me and say that I'm cr- being critical of that. But that was allowed to proceed, and the attendance was off the charts. And rightfully so, because people are starving to do these things right now. They can, they uh, started up the, the Pullman, uh, Pullman Plaza performances. Um, I think those were every Thursday. The, the Ninth Street Live thing was Fridays. Thursday was the Pullman Plaza musical performances. Um, those were maintained. Um, Marshall University just had, guess what? A parade down 4th Avenue downtown. For homecoming. For homecoming, yes. So, I mean, I just, you, you, you need to look no further than your, your local community and say, no, we're not recovering. We're only, we're picking and choosing which things we can do based on probably the economic impact on the community or probably for political reasons. Yep. Um, so, and again, don't. Don't get me wrong. I I don't want any of these things to be canceled, but I wish that they would have uh, proceeded with the fire parade, which I think is very well attended by the community and the whole metropolitan area, and proceed with the Christmas parade. I mean, for God's sake, Christmas is still <clears throat> uh, two months away, two and a half months away, right? Mm-hmm. Why why cancel something that far in advance? Um, I don't know. I you know I'm I'm somewhat of a skeptic. Um, I tend to see the worst in people, especially the leadership in Huntington. Um, I'm thinking that maybe it has something to do with Huntington's budgeting. Oh, I'm sure or lining someone's pockets uh, at the top. I don't know. Because the you know things like the Christmas parade, fire parade are expenditures for the city. There's no revenue from those, right? Right. Um, I don't know. Those are the things that I see. But you're still allowed to have Marshall football games, high school football games, which I think should be going. They're outdoors. You know, there there shouldn't be masking requirements. There shouldn't be um, vaccine visa. Um, to get in, you know, yeah. they're outdoors for crying out loud. Um, they're not going to be super spreader events. 
you know, keep, you know, have the, the Ninth Street Live, the Pullman Plaza events, you know, whatever. Um, that's, it's, it's, those things are good for the community to have, but we're not, we're not getting back to normal because we get, we're, the powers that be are picking and choosing between all the events that we can have or cannot have. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. And I, I was going to take it on a, 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 a bit broader thing and I'm glad you brought up local cause I think that's critical, but basically what you're saying is along the same lines of what I'm going to say. A lot of these things are so blatantly obvious <laughs> Uh, and you wonder where it's pushing our culture. And my, what I was going to say is part of what I led into in the intro. Like, I think what the pandemic has opened a lot of people's eyes to, if they're actually awake, is the hypocrisy in and everything on on speech uh, over tech platforms. Mm. You know, you it's okay to say one thing, but not okay to say another thing. And I feel like societally we're being shuffled a certain direction because if you have any opposing ideas or any dissenting thought, instead of having an open discussion about it, you're literally just silenced. Um, and I think that that is very concerning, but that's also a shift in culture and society. Like, and it's ultimately going to lead to no dissenting voices. Um, which is very much reminiscent of communist China. And, you know, right now, big headline in the news is how they're trying to, you know, treat Facebook. And I think this is very heavy into society and culture because everybody has an online presence with exception of me. And that is, that now frames our society and our culture. Um, Then they're wanting to basically the govern with a heavy hand, Facebook. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that say, oh, that's great. You know, they need more regulation. But the fact is they need less regulation because all that's going to do is make it so Facebook, because they have the money, they can keep up with these regulations. And any startups that are actually going to allow free speech won't be able to do it. So we're going to eliminate competition and we're going to eliminate, a, you know, the ability to have free speech now of course we're saying what we want on this podcast and it'll probably stay out there but in general i mean everybody's heard stories about you know something being said no matter how off the wall it is and it's removed Mm -hmm. um and it's just that to me is a huge societal shift that may have been happening anyway but the pandemic kind of brought it to light and it's kind of glaringly obvious that we're going more into your thoughts and your beliefs and everything were okay. And now it's certain thoughts and beliefs are okay. Yeah. So I think this is a, this is a tough topic. Yeah. Cause it to can talk get, about, yeah. well, to talk about free speech and social media and the internet. And you know, that I, so I, I the, the first thing that rises to the top of my mind is the this concept of the of the deep fakes. I mean, you've seen this crap on the news, oh, yeah. right? Where mm-hmm. there's technology out there where you can uh, put anybody's face on that you want and and make it appear as if they said anything, what, whatever you want to script, right? I mean, you could you could put uh, Donald Trump's face on someone or 
Barack Obama's face on someone and have them say something so terrible. And anyone who watched that would absolutely swear that Obama said it or Trump said it or Biden said it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's totally false. And But th- those could be incredibly damaging if they're propagated. You follow me? So there yeah. you... And, you know, you, you, there are those that would hide behind something like that as, and call it free speech. You know, how, how can you stop me from expressing my opinion, whatever. But there is a lot of free speech, or a lot of speech uh, that is, like, agreeably harmful. You know what I'm saying? So I think that there, there does need to exist a fact-checking system I mean, gone are the days when we can say that people are smart enough to know what's real and what's fake. That, that's gone. I don't think that was ever true. What, See, I, people can tell the difference? Yeah, I think yeah, that... I, I think that. So I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on this because I think that everything should be available for people to consume, whether it's fake or not. Because you don't think people were writing newspapers back in the 17 and 1800s that were 100% bullshit? Yeah, well, now, don't misunderstand You know what me. I mean? I'm like, not saying that you need to pull this stuff and make it, pull this stuff away and make it disappear. No, because I agree with you. Like, everything is, uh, I mean, there's fiction all over the place. There's manipulated uh, press historically. No, I, I totally agree with you. I it just, is on I a new level now. I just though. don't know what to do with it. Like, it, no, I think that, you do have the freedom to express yourself pretty much in any way you want. Um, however, like I, there has to be something in place to help people to understand it. I don't know. Does that sound correct? I, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. This how, is, I'm not sure how to articulate my thoughts on this. I, it's a it's a slippery slope. It, no matter which way you look at it, the if, only if you way let all of it pass through unadulterated. That's messed up. If you inject some federal government filter into it or some social media filter into it, that's messed up. You know what I'm saying? I, but there has to be some mechanism for people to understand like what's, what's truth and what's not truth. Um, well, this is what I would say is that, it, and it's, it's not unique to our time period. I don't think that, I think that there so this is a, a question of is there absolute truth and who gets to define that? And I don't think there's anyone out there that knows that, what it is. So you're always going to have, and so here's where I'm fairly libertarian and kind of almost anti-government because if you don't have a government, then it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, it's not, so everything needs to be, it doesn't, matter what someone says you can take in all information you get and you can just determine on your own whether you want to believe it or not and it is what it is and you can move on with your life whether it's a something bs or whatever no one it doesn't matter um but because we do have big government institutions they're always going to try to have their own version of the truth and it may be true to them um but it's very everybody's truth is framed in what they have experienced. Basically, you know, you and I could see the same thing and say that this one thing's true and that other thing's true. So it's extraordinarily 
complex. And I think that the only, and in my opinion, is the only way to have it be fair and reasonable is for everything to be available and allow people to just, whether it's right or wrong, let them figure it out, sink or swim on their own. Um, and, you know, there's no one out there, no one person or no one group of people that can determine what is or isn't true. And when you get into doing that, which is what they're doing right now, you're just spreading propaganda, in, in my opinion, because it's not, there's no way to know. Um, but there is argument out there whether there is an actual universal truth or not. Um, you know, a good example is the picture of uh, Biden getting his rehearsed uh, or his uh, booster shot. Yeah, and was right? that true or not? I, well, don't, the, I don't know. The thing is, we'll never know. Um, you just have to believe it. You have to believe, you can believe that it was, it wasn't staged or that it was. And I don't think it matters. Well, <clears throat> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so that photo you're referencing, I believe Joe Biden got the COVID vaccine or a, or a booster or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, like, I think what they're, I think the re, the re, so the to explain to the listeners, there's a photo out there that shows President Biden uh, appearing to get a COVID shot or to get some you know some shot in his arm on a stage you know with a fake backdrop that looks like some room in the White House and there's the press corps out in the audience taking pictures of it. Now. I, I believed that to be true, you know, because, I mean, why wouldn't they stage that? Right. The, 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 I mean, they want to put out the perfect picture, the perfect lighting, the perfect sound, and they want to give the press corps the opportunity to take photos and stuff, right? Well, you want to frame this in a way that's believable. Think of FDR. Not mm-hmm. a single American knew that guy couldn't walk. What, and, no, I... I find that so hard to believe because, like, I've lived my whole life knowing that he couldn't walk. Right, but the, the that's th- mind blowing. But isn't you it? see, you see what I'm saying. So it's all truth is not. It's complicated. No, it is it, certainly. It, it, and so, like, we're living in a different era where there's deep fakes, like you said, which adds a. To- I mean, that's totally different. When instead of just words, you can actually make images that are complete mm-hmm. hogwash. But, like, you, it may be that 10, 20 years from now, everybody will look at that of Joe Biden, and it may come out that it's true. Let's just say it comes out it's true that it was staged, and it'll just be, oh, yeah, it was, it was staged. Just like, oh, yeah, FDR had polio and couldn't walk without crutches. But it's all in making your own truth which you need to project power i mean i understand all that stuff and i actually understand the white house if that is true that it was staged i i understand that the need for it to be staged it's just the fact that that it would be denied you know that that with there being evidence which is a little bit strange but so the the free speech thing is a is a crazy topic I think you could go both ways, but I think the second you start censoring anything, there, there's no like end to it. I guess is where I I say that 
it's a slippery slope, but we're already on that slope now. Um, and, and you know, we're just squirting more oil onto it. Right. So, I mean, it's not like I'm going to, you and I are going to sit here and stop people from saying you can't say certain stuff. It's already happening. But <laughs> um, it's a, it's a scary, my thing is, is, is you don't think we can change people's hearts and minds well, on this platform where I'm, where I'm going with this though, is, is the, ch- the drastic change that we noticed during 2020 and into 2021 is that a good, re- is that recovering? <laughs> like, is that good for us? And that's kind of back to my main point is the fact that, yeah, that'd be a negatory. Yeah, it, it's it's not. <laughs> it's, yeah, it it just seems like there's an awful lot of things that a lot of people would pound their fist on drums and say we're progressing, we're progressing, we're progressing. But then I'll look back and say, did we want these progress this stuff? Like, do we really want this stuff? Do our kids like like these environmentalists? Do we want our kids? growing up in a world like this just like do you want your kids growing up in a world with no trees or you know toxic oceans or whatever like do you want your kids growing up in a world in toxic classrooms and toxic you know yeah so i would say no it's it's a negative thing and i don't care what side of the aisle you're on i think it's just a negative thing let me put this out there um I can't remember the years or the year that all this came out. Um, but I'm young enough, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. That You I are can, young. No, that I remember the acid rain scare. I remember that. Okay. I was in college. And we, no, 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 no. This was not in college, dude. This is when I was in like, I want to say uh, late uh, elementary school, junior high school. Well, we were still like talking about it in early 2000. Which but no, there was, but there was purported science, you know. Um, but that, but at that point, it was the most rudimentary science. They said, "Oh, hey, we're releasing sulfates into the atmosphere as a product of combustion and industrial processes, and that's going to combine with the water in the atmosphere and the uh, the protons." The hydrogen uh, H plus, you know the. Pro- I don't know how many of your listeners are uh, versed in chemistry, but the protons. So it's going to combine with the sulfates, and it's going to produce sulfuric acid, and it's going to come down as rain. And I'm dead serious. There were commercials on the television that said like, it's going to ruin the paint job on your cars. Yep. It's going to destroy all your flower, your gardens, your crops, your flowers, everything. Um, and guess what? It never fucking happened. Nobody's cars were ruined. Nobody's crops were destroyed. I believe that that was something invented by someone at the highest levels of government to scare us into changing policy. Yeah. Okay. Then we, you know, then fast forward to, uh, I don't know, the Al Gore years or, uh, or maybe even slightly before that, when they talk about the polar ice caps melting and we're going to lose the whole state of Florida and the California state's going to fall off of the West coast, uh, into the Pacific ocean, blah, blah, blah. Never fucking happened. 
right? Yep. Um, like now, now what's the the biggest craze or the biggest thing they're hammering us with with climate change and climate environmental change, change? Pandemic is no, 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 no. I'm I'm just saying like along the lines of environmental. Oh yeah, stuff it's climate, climate change. change. Yeah. Like no, but what's the thing they're holding over our heads now? Is that uh, conditions are going to be not suitable for life on this planet in a decade? Yeah, but I'm going to say like you, you scientists or you government officials have a zero percent accuracy track record on these predictions. And I think this came up on a podcast I listened to the other day. It might have been a Ben Shapiro, <laughs> but he said, "If so, if 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 we have this prediction, like in you know ten years, things are going to be so bad that we can't reverse it." You know, we need to make change now. If we get to the, that 10-year point and we haven't fixed it and we're still surviving, we should cut every penny of spending on that because it was a lie. You follow me? Yeah. So that's that's the point I'm trying to make. It, and uh, uh, with regards to these environmental threats and everything, so the acid rain threat, you know, th- th- there was there was a – length of time assigned to that i can't remember what it was but it was in so many years there's gonna be so much acid falling out of the sky that we can't grow crops anymore well that never happened so we you know they they forced us to put all these dollars into lowering emissions and everything blah 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 we didn't meet the emissions targets ever ever and we never will but so the point i'm trying to make is so if you predicted you know back so this is back in the 1980s that acid rain was going to kill us in 10 years or at least kill all of our crops that in 10 years. That transpired for a while because it was in my high school. Because, no, that, it <laughs> never yeah. fucking happened. Why are we still spending money on that concept? So that the polar ice cap's melting. <laughs> you know, we're having to change carbon emissions and all this stuff. Like, And, uh, you know, Al Gore and all these people saying, like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be losing all these states to massive coastal flooding, blah, 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 by the year... You know, it, 2020. These, yeah. No, these years have come and gone. Yes. The, Why are we still, still spending entertaining money on these that? Yes. Lies. So well, there, there's another lie coming up that like that conditions are not going to be suitable for life. You know, for life for fish, life for livestock. Well, you're you're raising. Let me let me bring this back to what we're talking about. Like what I've been saying, <laughs> you're. You're bringing up good environmental issues that have been brought up to to change policy that scared the shit out of everybody, right? To get them to adjust their behaviors because they didn't want their children to die or be living in a world like this, right? And it never happened. Well, here we are where we can actively, actively see things happening that we don't want our kids to be raised in, and there's like no red flags. Ah, This isn't a big deal. And the reason why is because that's... I hate to say it, that's what the, that's the direction they want um, things to be where we're not in control of anything. Yeah. So um, I want to shift gears a little bit, but before I do that, it's uh, we're about an hour into it. I'm going to play a little bit of music and take a take a leak real quick and grab something to drink. Or cool if that. you uh, if you produce the stuff like I have recently, you can actually just pause or stop this recording and start a new one. Then you paste them together. Oh, I've got the software. Band. I've got the software but for no, doing we can, that. We can but pause I, however you I want. I love this your, music. Yeah, this is my podcast. I know how to do this. It's you don't your need podcast, to. You don't need dude. to. I will delete this part of the conversation. No, <laughs> no it's okay. Better not.
Uh, I just. I am going to have to edit this because I forgot to turn the volume up on the music the whole time. <laughs> but anyway, we're fighting flies here right now um, in my garage, quote, studio. <laughs> Joe Rogan doesn't have to deal with this shit. <laughs> I'm sure of that. And I just played uh, for two minutes music, but I didn't turn the volume up for the music. Um, that is what you call two Mick Ultras too deep. I can hear the music now. Now you can. <laughs> I'm talking through it. So um, here we are. We're back. So <clears throat> on that uh, couple minutes of silence, which I'll maybe edit out. If you hear this and there wasn't silence, I edited it out. But uh, <laughs> if not, but I want to get into, so uh, switching gears a, a considerable amount, and this is partly pandemic related, but I would say a, overall trend in the society of America and maybe worldwide. And I've mentioned this to you, David, but I think let's use Huntington as a great example. Huntington is rotting. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. And Huntington is not alone. And I'm going to put this out there uh, to agree with that statement is very unpopular. In this town. Yeah, it, it don't is. Don't you think? Yes. But we don't talk badly about Huntington yeah, and, in and, Huntington. And you it's and, like we don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You and I were born and raised in this town. Our mother was born and raised in this town. You were born and raised. I was not no. born in this cesspool. Okay, you weren't born I was here. born in another cesspool named Morgantown. <laughs> but you were raised here. Right? <laughs> but, but the overarching point is, and I know you're not, religious or deeply religious. I don't know what you claim to be, but let's just say you're not religious. Okay. Let's just, well, I'm just this, uh, little dandelion seed just floating in the air, wherever the breeze takes. Okay. Me. So I would actually venture to say I'm more along that more like that than you would think. Uh, because I've been red pilled so to speak. I feel like, uh, I think that, mm. that, that can be used not now, just wait for a politics. Minute. I'm going to have to either go back and rewatch the matrix or watch the new one when it comes out in yeah. December or whenever to what, it, wait, what does the red pill do that wakes you it up? It wakes you up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not saying I don't believe in <laughs> God necessarily, but I do think that it's a lot, it's a lot more complicated. <laughs> okay. Then, so, where I'm going with this is Huntington is rotting. Mm -hmm. And we're going to use Huntington as an example, but that's not unique to the country. There are small towns and large towns and large cities all over the U.S. that are just rotting. And I would say, so I'm going to give just a little spiel here, that it is due to the loss of organized religion. We have less and less and less people in the pews at church every week. And when you think about it, in Huntington, it's a good example. On almost every street corner or every little tiny little region in town, back in the day, there used to be grocery stores every corner, right? Well, there were always churches, okay? Or mm -hmm. some, and, yeah. and so where I'm going with this is whether you currently believe in God or not, that was the binding ingredient for a society that 
was moral and accountable. Now, I feel like everybody's looking to the government to solve problems. Back then, everybody in one or two or three block radius in Huntington went to the same church, right? And if you didn't show up, they called you. They made you feel bad. It was like a peer pressure thing. If your house looked run down, by God, it never did look run down because other people would be staring at you. Mm-hmm. Everybody there worked. Everybody there took care of each other. Everybody did, you know, they had cooked meals. That, in large part, does not happen anymore. Whether you believe in God or not is irrelevant. It's the, the binding agent that took care of each little community. Mm-hmm. And I think, and there were, and, and you know, Huntington's made up of thousands of little communities. There's probably a thousand churches in Huntington. And probably, there are a lot of churches in this city. Yeah, and they're probably almost all empty. And I, so, I would, so agree, I would agree. I, so I think that a lot of what you're saying is factual. You know, so A, the fact is there's a lot of churches in, churches in this uh, we'll call it a metropolitan area. And I think that um, I may or may not be correct on this, but I think at one point in this area's history, there were the most churches uh, on a single street in all of America, that, that being Fifth Avenue, Huntington. I think that's true. Yep. At one point. Uh, and I think that may have extrapolated out to like the most churches per capita. Uh, I mean, it's, and we, so we are in the Bible belt of America. So it's not, not quite that surprising. Now I'm going to, uh, so those are the facts. A lot of churches here and uh, historically they were all very well attended. Um, but I'm going to counter that. So I'm going to counter your arguments. Huntington has a uh, sine wave <laughs> of uh, success and failures, right? I mean, it's it's been a roller coaster in this town, and I don't know if you can tie that to the church or not. Uh, so I, I will agree that right now, it has to be record low church attendance. Okay, I think that is probably the fact that you could cite. Does church attendance? Um, equal loss of faith. I don't know whether they correlate or not. Now, I'm not okay. saying that it means loss of faith. Hang on, let me let me okay. just do you think that people that attended church regularly were more accountable and more um that's where I'm going cuz I don't think it necessarily uh, means whether the people that aren't going to church believe in God, it's whether their sense of community you have a, a greater sense of community when you all organize once a week. And it's like, oh, where are you? Are well, you coming on Wednesday night? Oh, I, so, I saw your house is kind of, do you need help? But now we don't even have that. Like there's not, now you may be sitting in your house and still believe in God, still have faith. Okay, I think I see like, where you're going with yeah, this. Yeah, I think that organized religion, as much as people don't like it, it had its place that was actually important. So... Let me let me make this very clear. Let me clarify what you're saying. When you talk about organized religion, uh, you're not necessarily talking about 
faith. I think you're saying the two right. are the two are not synonymous. Exactly. So exactly. Can, so there can be organized religion without having faith. Yeah, and there can be okay. faith with not and, out going there. So okay, I, I mean, I would buy that. I think. I mean, I I know it's true. I mean, I yeah, fully stand it was, behind this that there are people that go to church that practice an organized religion that have zero faith. I know this to be true. And there okay. are tons of people that don't go to church that have plenty of faith. Uh, faith yeah, so the, the two are mutually exclusive. Yeah. My thing the, is, so, is that... But organized religion, so I think I see what you, I, I can smell what you're putting yeah. down here. My thing is that the... So it gave a structure to the community. Yeah, because they were literally on every block or every two blocks, every three yeah, blocks, so and I, it was like an accountability... I thought you were going to tie this into faith. No, it... Not at all. It's because it could be Muslim. It could be a synagogue, a Jewish synagogue. It could be a yeah, Muslim. Well, and my counter was going to be like, what about all these faithless people? Not every faithless person is out there committing crimes or shooting up drugs or being otherwise a miscreant. Yeah. My, right? th- my basic there are thing plenty is of faithless people. Now, what happened? Pillars of society. Right. And so you're taking this different than what I'm, I mean. Okay. What I, I mean is that. Uh, sorry, I so, derailed us. No, that's fine. It, what I mean is that there is a physical location that people were expected to be at that held people together. Yeah. And now people can still have their faith, but and they had to have face-to-face eye contact relations with these people. And I think it held people in higher esteem, higher everything, because these people all lived, especially back in the day, you, you didn't go to a church 20 miles away from you back then. Nope. You went to the church in your area yeah. so uh and so you have to ask yourself what's happened yeah and, why are why are people not going to church do you think it's do you think it's due to a loss of faith well first of all i think it's due to everything is by demand now mm-hmm. people people will do what they want to do when they want to do it yeah and so you can it. tune into a church service uh on facebook or youtube or whatever right, right. but the thing that i'm saying is it's a lot easier to skip out on the harder part of that because you can be faithful, you can believe in God, and you can do that in your house and never care or see anybody that goes there and and do anything. Now, that wouldn't be a great way to be, but it's awfully easy. It's awfully convenient. So I think, you know, like the church we grew up in, um, First United Methodist Church, you know, it was booming even in my childhood. Yeah, it was. And I think there's a correlation between church attendance okay. and the decay of communities because there's not that glue that holds people to hold everybody accountable. Mm-hmm. It's like a peer pressure thing. Oh, that person's smoking cigarettes. I'll smoke cigarettes or they don't smoke cigarettes. I'm not going to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Well, they go to church. somebody back in the fifties, sixties. And I know that's a long time ago from now, but you know, back in the fifties, sixties, seventies, where are you going on Sunday church? Yeah. And you know, you, know, you probably didn't want, uh, the people in church to see you doing anything wrong. Right. And then like <laughs> yeah. I was saying about, you know, all these houses that are run down, right? Mm-hmm. People would not even let people's houses get run down. They would walk by it and people would show up at church and feel embarrassed. There was actually a, and not, not just a Christian church. I mean, any sort of organized something. We almost don't have physical organized in, in, in this digital world. It's actually becoming <coughs> less and less and less and less common. 
and as convenient as that is, and as good as it, it makes us, would you say that one of the reasons that that's so awesome for everybody and they want to do it is because nobody doing it has to be held truly accountable for what's going on? Partially. Like, if it's work-related, yeah. But, I mean, you can get on a Zoom meeting for something at church and yeah, 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 and then leave. Yes. Uh, <coughs> that. <coughs> Excuse me. I about aspirated some beer. <laughs> Saw that. You had a lot of head on that. <coughs> I didn't know Mick Alter could make head like that. But. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the Zoom stuff that has um, come to be the forefront of how we gather in certain settings – yeah, definitely. It separates. Um, <coughs> it removes us from a lot of tangible responsibility. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Like the the individual responsibility, excuse me, is kind of gone. Mm-hmm. You still see it maybe in the workplace, and you might see it in school, but the the, the responsibility from people seeing themselves in churches day to day is. It's still there, but there's nobody there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's empty. And a yeah. lot of those people that are there, they don't even, even if you do attend, they don't even live near each other. It's people coming because right. it's people coming from this place, that place. And I'm not saying that that necessarily matters, but it's now just becoming a place to go and worship instead of a place to go and have community. It's even, mm. even mm-hmm. what has existed is shifted. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, you can have faith anywhere. Yeah. So I find, and I know that's a shift in topics, but I feel like part of Huntington's <coughs> decay and part of the country's decay is that's kind of just been just lackadaisically, you know, gone away. I don't know if you yeah. see it the same way. I mean, I know I kind of ramrodded that down, ram that, but. But no, I don't mean that we have less faith, more faith, or I'm not even really making a judgment call on faith. I'm just saying that. Yeah, and I think so, some of this is so hard to um, wrap your head around too. Is that you know Huntington has expanded and contracted, expanded and contracted as far as uh, uh, population, and I think we're on a contraction right now. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. The last census I heard, um, we were at thirty-two thousand in yeah, Huntington. Yeah, so we're, we're down significantly. So of course, church attendance is going to be down. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, like I don't know, like I'm, I'm this realist at heart, and I am a scientist, and uh, yeah, I have you know my own belief system, whatever. I'm not going to get into all that, but I would, you know, one of the things that I would use to explain the decrease in church attendance is, oh, well, hey, I mean, nobody lives here anymore. Yeah. Of course, a lot of churches are going to close or or they stay open with fewer uh, attendees. Um, but now, I, I mean, I think there's something to be said about your argument. I, I, I wouldn't buy the whole uh, faith-based argument, you know, that we've, that uh, Americans have lost faith. I think, I still think that there were, there's probably the same number of people of faith that there always were. But I do agree with you that not as many people are going to church anymore. Well, and you think of these 
let's just say downtown, like south side communities, back in our parents' generation, every home down there was a home. Like it was a mother, father, and their children. Most mm-hmm. of that stuff's rental property now. Do you think those people are going to go? I mean, it's not. Well, the that's, di- the, that's because people have left Huntington. Yeah, the dynamic shit, the shift is, yeah. is, um, is different. So I, I'm thinking that, and then the pandemic era or whatever has shifted it dramatically into churching online and i think it's this pandemic has just taken a dump on every aspect of our life yeah so i think it's i think it's made it even worse Mm -hmm. the 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 issues that i'm discussing where there's no sense of community at a church have kind of just even become even worse but what other issues would you say and this isn't really related to pandemic stuff but what other issues would you say have contributed to the rot of Huntington. Oh my gosh! Um, Obviously, drug abuse. Well, drug abuse, and you know, we we can all argue what is the cause of that. What's the root problem of drug abuse? Um, it is so multifactorial, and you know, I've seen this uh, spring up on social media a lot lately i started following this guy on facebook i'm not going to put his name out there but he um several times a day makes posts about huntington i don't know if he's monetized it or what but (laughs) um he has his finger on the pulse in huntington (laughs) uh he's connected with the news outlets whatever and he's got a lot of um i think uh people out there that are uh, corresponding with him, whatever. But anyways, I, so I've just recently started following this guy, and he's he's hit uh, a lot of stuff that right on the head. That's very consistent with my line of thinking is that there's there's a drug problem here, there's a homelessness problem here, there's a vagrant problem here. Um, that no one is willing to deal with. People either just you know, turn a blind eye to it, or they say, uh, uh, you know, we need to, we need to support these people. You know, they're down on their luck. Uh, we don't know their situation. You know, we need to help them through whatever's happening, but there, there's property destruction that's happening that you cannot condone. You, know, you can't turn a blind eye to, uh, there's theft, uh, vagrancy <laughs> like i don't know and i've seen this stuff come and go um i remember being a teenage boy uh you know college age boy hanging out in downtown huntington um and having people bumming money from me um but it was easy to deal with back then you know people they weren't very aggressive i guess it is how you describe right. them nowadays the the people seem a little more aggressive they're on edge uh, on edge uh somewhat less uh relent or they're more relentless you know uh more intimidating in their tactics 
uh, and then I, I'm not seeing it personally, but I'm witnessing it on uh, online in the news outlets and on social media that there's a lot of property destruction happening downtown as a result of, uh, you know, being carried out by these homeless people and uh, vagrants and, and drug abusers. <laughs> and uh, in fact, Megan and I just had this con conversation tonight. Like, you can't always excuse their behavior and brush it off. Like, at some point, like, someone has to be held accountable. You can't just allow a property be, to be destroyed. You can't just allow drug use to happen. But that hurts somebody's feelings, David. Yeah, I think, uh, well, that's what we're talking about. Um, and like I said, the, 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 the root cause of drug abuse is multifaceted. You know, a lot of people blame the pharmaceutical industry. A lot of people blame physicians. Um, I mean, I know firsthand I, this is fact. This isn't just my opinion. This is fact. A lot of uh, drug users started because they had an injury mm -hmm. at some point. Mm -hmm. And um, they were prescribed opioids, you know, that may or may not have worked for their pain, but they got hooked on them. I mean, that's a real phenomenon. And <clears throat> I... I'm a non-prescribing physician. Like, I don't write prescriptions for people outside of the hospital. Um, however, I administer boatloads of opioids to people. Very potent opioids. And I've always wondered to myself, you know, am I part of the problem? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, my specialty anesthesiology, like, I don't want to get into all the ins and outs of anesthesiology and how drugs work and all this stuff, but we rely on opioids as a class of drugs pretty heavily to do what we do. You know, not just to treat pain, but to alter mm -hmm. people's levels of consciousness. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I've from time to time questioned myself, you know, what if I, what if I gave somewhat less to somebody, you know, would that be, better in the long run for them or or not but well do you think it's and it's hard for me to say that this is all a personal choice you know someone who got hurt and came in for surgery and they needed a course of opioids to get through it like you know i think the the, the the default argument that doctors would lean on is like oh well this was their choice to continue with opioid use well, another question, I I, I, based on that, though, I mean, like, aren't your hands kind of tied? Like, isn't there some yeah. sort of law where you're, the person is supposed to feel not no pain? Um, that's actually uh, now urban legend. That was, uh, that was a part of the Patients' Bill of Rights with Bill Clinton, Bill and Hillary Clinton. Okay. It's gone now. You're not required to take people's pain scores. You're but not required. You don't have to. Okay. You're not required to reach a certain. When did that end? Pain goal. But that 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 was a thing, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So that but it did. was very short lived, and I okay. can't tell you when, what year it ended. But it's been many, many, many years ago. However, I I think the majority of hospitals out there still practice under these old guidelines. Antiquated guidelines. Yeah. 
because I think hospitals are motivated uh, now by patient satisfaction scores and, you know, your pain experience is part of that. Um, where my frustration comes in is like I'm trained to do a lot of non-opioid techniques for people. Almost all of which involve some sort of injection, you know, so a needle puncture and, and all this. And I'm telling you, not a lot of patients are motivated to go through that. Mm. You know, a lot of patients decline to have that. And as of now, yeah, I, I can't force any injection on somebody because it's optional, right? I mean, I can recommend it until I'm purple in the face. But if someone says, no, you're not doing that to me, I don't do it. Right. Okay, so it's a little bit off topic, but back back to the original topic of Huntington. The drug use thing, yeah. Yeah, um, par- partial drug use. But do you think, I've heard it said that another major problem is the uh, the states getting rid of their, men- basically they're like, uh, mental institution sort of stuff, you know. I mean, they do have them, state hospitals and stuff, but, you know, like the... Uh, Dude, that boat sailed decades and decades and decades ago. But could it have been... I mean, this problem has been decades and decades and decades in the making. Well, no. Uh, have you ever heard the term the deinstitutionalization yep. of America? hmm I think this happened in the 1970s. Uh, mid to late 1970s, if I'm correct. The country used to have a very robust uh, system of uh, mental health facilities. I say mental health in air quotes. It's almost like prison. Well, and it was. You yeah. know, it was not ideal. It wasn't perfect. But, you know, we, and we, um, we committed people to these things involuntarily all the time. But at some point, um, probably some legislator said, hey, this is not good for society. It's not sustainable. It's not healthy. It's not worth the cost. And so we shut down all these facilities, and we turned all these people loose onto the streets. And almost all of them were homeless. Uh, You may not know the history in Huntington of the uh, Bateman Hospital. I don't know the what history we, of it. But. What we used to call the Huntington State Hospital. Uh, you know, that's up on 20th Street Hill mm-hmm. across from uh, the cemetery. <laughs> I own a house right there. No, that place used to be massive. It used to be a huge facility um, interring, I don't know, in the thousands of patients, maybe over 10,000 patients, 15,000 patients. Now, and it used to be a campus of, I don't know, a dozen buildings, something like that. Um, Nowadays, I think they only use two or three buildings there, and they may only have 100 patients admitted there. So, yeah, we've, and like I said, this happened back in the 1970s. You know, so we've already closed many many facilities or shrunk them down into like almost irrelevance that's why i said that ship sailed years and years and years ago the mental health ship it's we're not making cuts today in mental health it's just been shitty 
for a very long time. Well, my question is, do you think that where we are is a result of getting rid of that? Oh, I guarantee you there's more homeless people on the streets. Yeah, that's kind of that was a my, result of the quote deinstitutionalization. Yeah, that's my that's my question. Because yeah, that, that um, the, the 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 point I was trying to make is some people have said that the getting rid of these institutions or whatever, the deinstitutionalization mm-hmm. has led to this Yeah, so, because like, partly I mean, I mean seriously, not look, solely look but, at what happened to many of these patients, if not all of them. They were just turned out onto the streets. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a home to go back to. Uh, they'd long since been abandoned by their family. Um, and they weren't cured by any means. Uh, you know, I mean, so we're talking about psychiatry here. And I don't, and that's very far away from my specialty. Although I did take a pretty high interest in psychiatry when I was a medical student. Um I was fascinated by it. But um, now that's a, a very complicated thing. And I, and I would say that's a slippery slope, too. Like, who do you hospitalize? Who do you not hospitalize? Who do you force to be hospitalized? Uh, you know, it, 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 it's just complicated. Um, I would say that the treatments are not great. The, the medicine's not great in psychiatry. You know, I mean... Um, look at all the side effects from antipsychotic drugs and antidepressant drugs. The side effects are awful. Um, you know, another treatment modality is uh, electroconvulsive therapy, you know, where you shock someone into having a seizure. And, you know, this procedure goes back decades and decades. And that, uh, you know, has mixed results and it's, fraught with side effects and complications um you know uh, psychotherapy which uh, in my mind i don't know if i'm consistent with the actual definition of it but psychotherapy is like sitting down and talking to patients about their problems that's probably the most effective (laughs) treatment that we have (laughs) and it's not even that great yeah um no, the ones that get used the most, though, what I've learned is the ones the government subsidizes the most. So, like the mo- the one the treatments that the government will pay for the most is what they'll do now. Absolutely, even if whether it's right or not for the patient. Yeah, and um, and that's going to be medicine, right? Which, like I said, doesn't work super well, and lots and lots of side effects. It's like, well, you know. I'm your doctor, and I think we should stitch this thing up on your leg, but the government says the best course of option is to cut it off right below the groin. (laughs) Yeah. I'd hate to look at it like that because that's loss of limb. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying, but that's what they'll pay for. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I've often wondered, you know, since I've been in this career – is that where we're headed? I mean, where? Oh yeah, where, definitely. I mean, I'm not a physician, but I, uh, definitely. Well, where someone from up above absolutely dictates what I do. I mean, there there are aspects of my job that are totally controlled by the state and federal government, but it's a small portion of what I do. But I often think about like, what if that becomes 
all of what I do. You know, I'm just I'm just an arm of the federal government. Um, well, I hate to say it, but I think that's where everybody's job is heading. Well, and, and you know, and this is um, off topic, but like this is this is part of the discussion of um, physician and healthcare provider overall burnout. Mm-hmm. You know, you just feel like you're a cog in the machine. And I've been there. I've, uh, I think my burnout scale has gone up and down, up and down throughout my career. I think I'm at a very low number for burnout right now, which is good. Um, you know, I've had periods of time where I feel absolutely useless. In we talked, we talked about this on your, when I was on your podcast last time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is something that, uh, physicians and nurses especially, but it, it applies to everyone in healthcare. Like people get burned out because they feel like they cannot do anything. They cannot be effective. And like we said very much earlier in this podcast, people are leaving healthcare in droves mm-hmm. by the thousands nationwide. And probably the, the, most cited problem is burnout and burnout. So multifactorial, but one of the components of burnout is just feeling useless, feeling ineffective, um, you know, f- having feelings of loss of control. Um, and I believe <clears throat> it's only going to get worse in the face of all these vaccine mandates because, then people are really going to feel like they're only a cog in the machine, you know? So say some of these people actually who some of these people who didn't want to have the vaccine, well, there there's going to be a percentage of them who will break down and have the COVID vaccine just so they can maintain their employment. Now I hate Mm -hmm. to say that, but that's reality. That's that will motivate some people to get it, but eventually their burnout numbers are their burnout uh, scale is going to go are up. going to go up and up and up and and then they'll leave. You know, I I uh, I participate in this um questionnaire every year that comes out from the American Society of Anesthesiologists and I'm sure that there's a questionnaire for every specialty out there, the the burnout questionnaire. And um you know, it, you just you have, you answer these questions on a scale of 1 to 10 you know, do you feel useless in your specialty? Do you uh, feel less power in your specialty? Do you, do you have a, do you maintain a work-life balance? Uh, You know, some of the questions are even like, do you sleep at night? Do you, has your alcohol use gone up or are you using drugs now? You know, things like this. And, uh, Yeah, I just I know that this pandemic and this whole vaccine mandate thing is going to cause people's scores to go up mm-hmm. when they answer these things. Um, but one one of the questions that always comes up in these burnout questionnaires is, if you had to do it again, would you go into medicine? So that's question number one. So it's a two part question. Uh, so if the answer is no then you don't answer the second part. And there's a significant number of providers out there that say, no, they would never go into medicine again. Wow. And this is, this is truth. This is not conjecture whatsoever. 
Um, and then of those that say, yes, I would do medicine again, there's a huge percentage of those that the, the, so the follow-up question is, would you go into the same specialty? And I think it's over 50% of the respondents to that question say, no, I would not go into the same specialty. Wow. So that just tells you that the dissatisfaction mm-hmm. that there is like, so either, and, uh, and when I say there's significant numbers, I think that of the respondents, it's pff, something like 20% of people say they would not choose medicine again. And of the people that say they would choose medicine again, I think it's literally 50% of them wouldn't say do the same they wouldn't choose the same specialty. So that just speaks to an unhappiness mm-hmm. with what people are doing. And that's like that's sad. The, the largest component of burnout. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'll admit straight up, like I have answered this more than once. And like I said, this is an annual questionnaire, but I have answered more than once that I would not go into medicine again. And on the times that I answered that I would go into medicine again, I said, I would never choose anesthesiology again. Wow. Man, that's interesting, you know, and, and that's where I'm kind of, I'm not happy to be in the situation <clears throat> I'm not happy to have gotten in the situation I am based on how it happened, but it's nice to be relatively in control of what I'm doing. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm not totally in control. I have a lot of tough situations. Like today I had to call somebody that hadn't paid rent yet and (coughs) they wouldn't answer. And I called all their roommates and I mean, it's just a tough call, Mm. you know, because I I don't want to throw somebody out of their house. Uh, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, <laughs> there's someone else out there that would yeah. pay me, uh, you know what I mean? It's a market and, um, you know, it's, it's, there's, but then, and things break at odd times for me, but I don't, I think you can get burned out doing what I'm doing, but it's just not the same thing. Like it's a totally different thing. So I kind yeah, of well, like so you, the situation. Probably had, you're probably bogged down to some extent by regulation and overreaching, um, well, the city rules and stuff, and overreaching taxation, oh, and fees, yeah. and all that. Well, you want to know something that people don't even think about. So, the the city of Huntington has the B and O tax, and they rescinded it, but they didn't mm-hmm. rescind it on everything. It was only oh, rescinded yeah. on retail, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but for property owners, did did you know this? It is one percent of your net earnings is net which one's gross i think whatever so like if you rent something for a thousand would be gross would be before all the deductions you're gross yeah sorry you're gross okay one percent of your gross Hmm. so do you know what that i mean mel my cousin and i we've done our math it's a significant amount because you have mortgage payments to pay out of the rent you have this and that you have all kinds of expenses Mm -hmm. When you really take the one percent, so say say you rented one property for a thousand dollars a month, so every year you got ten grand or twelve grand, yeah. But the property you had a mortgage payment of five hundred a month, so that means you really only made six grand instead of twelve, right? And then you had to pay trash, which is fifty dollars a month. You see what I'm saying? You get down, you, oh, yeah. you, you only made three thousand dollars a year instead of twelve. Mm-hmm. But your B and O tax is one percent of the twelve of the gro- the gross receipts. Yeah, no, I follow you. So when you figure it in, it's like 
it's like a 20% tax. Yes. To the city. And mm-hmm. I people brought it up. They don't care. <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy. Yeah, I so before we talk about your situation, I do want to reassure the listeners that um I actually am doing very well in my job right now. Well, it sounds like you're happy. Um I am in a place where I don't feel like there's um administrative overreach. Uh, I'm happy with my compensation. I'm more or less happy with my schedule. Uh, you know, the, I, to me, the only drawback of my job currently is that I have to drive one hour each way. You know, so that's two more hours I have to add on to my time every day. But current, right now, as of today, that's, that's the only complaint I have. And whenever I bring this up to people uh, where I work, everyone says, why don't you move to Charleston? (laughs) If they knew what you had in Huntington. Well, no, I just say uh, I look at Huntington as being the lesser of two evils. Okay, so Huntington and Charleston are kind of like sister cities as far as their problems. Yeah. Um, Economical, leadership, you know, societal. Uh, But then... So then I say, so all things being equal, uh, with the, the problems between those two communities, I'm going to stay in Huntington because I think I'm finally in the house that I've wanted for oh, several years. And I've got property that, to me, is more valuable than the, uh, quote, commute that I have to Charleston. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, there's no way I'm finding a living situation like in have. or near Charleston, uh, I don't believe. I mean, if I wanted to move uh, east of Huntington, I'm certainly not living in Charleston on acreage, <laughs> you know, in the house that I have here. Uh, I would have to, I would be in a community north or east or south of Charleston. You know what I mean? And so I would still have a commute. some distance. You'd still work. have a commute, yeah. yeah. And to me, like, I don't know. I, I somewhat enjoy the drive. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily enjoy the drive to work, but I do enjoy the drive from work because, like, I, I can unwind. Exactly. I can leave all that shit behind me. Just I don't have any l- concerns. I like that. Them. You can unwind because yeah. um, I think that's... No, so uh, anyone, well, you and I talked anyone, about this one time about how I come me, home from work and I can't unwind because my kids <laughs> yeah, are all over me. But I just want to tell. So I just painted this awful picture of my job <laughs> or of my or of my career, uh, and I just want to reassure listeners that it currently is not this bad. Uh, historically, you know, it's it's been awful, uh, but right now I'm in a good place. Uh, but I do see the people around me. I do see the nurses leaving. The technicians leaving. Um, you know, so what, you what, actually have seen people leave the job. Oh heck yeah, dude! And and what makes me really angry is when you listen to the local news and even the the uh, national news. They talk about hospitals being quote overrun by COVID. I think that's that's misleading. You know, so hospitals, first of all, I'm going to tell people that before COVID was ever an issue, 
the hospitals in West Virginia were packed to the fucking gills. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the, so that has been an issue forever, that, for years, right? And it and for years the issue with the hospitals being overrun was because of staffing shortages. Now the staffing shortages are have been amplified, but you know by magnitudes of ten. Um, I heard something the other day that I I fully believe I think is factual. Someone said that, um, and this is in Huntington, um, that between the two Mountain Health hospitals in the last couple of years they've lost. 300 nurses. Jeez. And so obviously they have to close down units in the hospitals. Like you can't run these other beds without nursing staff, right? Uh-huh. But they would have you believe that the hospitals are overrun because of COVID. But like I said, I'm here to tell you that the hospitals were full 15 years ago here. They're still full today. And it's not any different because of COVID. I think primarily what our hospitals are full of is freaking trauma victims. And I have said this for years, like, you know, we're, we want, so nowadays we want to preach all this COVID crap, you know, get a vaccine, social distance, wear a fucking mask, all this stuff. But I'm here to tell you that our hospitals are, I think the hospitals are overrun by trauma victims, gunshots, stabbings, car wrecks. ATV wrecks, like for crying out loud. Where are the people saying, get off your motorcycle? Don't wreck your fucking car. Don't wreck your fucking four wheeler. Like, no one is out there saying yeah, that. Yeah, where are the people that go, if you wreck your car, you need to, um, nobody's allowed to drive without a card that says that you. Uh, <laughs> no, I, dude, I'm serious. Like, and, and of course, I don't mean to discount like people admit it for other reasons. I mean, there's people who have cancer, people who have ruptured organs for other reasons you know whatever i mean there's some there's sick people out there but i think and there are sick covid people i mean yes there are but and there's people sick with uh uh, other with the flu with other infections um people with heart failure people with heart attacks what i whatever but the point I'm trying to make is I don't think that COVID has freaking broke the bank, so to speak. Right. Um, and why are we not coming down on these other things? Like, I am of the belief that, like, the huge majority of trauma has to be preventable. Has to be. Right? Yeah. You, you wreck your car, you're probably uh, intoxicated or on your cell phone. Right. Yep. I mean, who, who, like, how often do, do you have mechanical failure in your car leading to a wreck with injury? Likely never. Almost never. Yeah. How often do you have a catastrophic medical event, such as a stroke or a heart attack, leading to vehicle crash? Like once it, a year. Eh, I mean, every so often. Slightly more than mechanical failure. I'd say the huge majority of all these car crashes are, is in to, drug intoxication slash alcohol intoxication. If you want to, if you don't want to lump that in with drugs, uh, or distracted driving, such as cell phone use, or you know whatever, um, and then all the other like the ATV wrecks, 
almost all of them are drug or an alcohol related. Motorcycle wrecks, almost all of them are drug and alcohol related. And then there's your gunshots, your stabbings, your pedestrians run over by cars. And I'm telling you, the pedestrians run over by cars. That is somebody's fault. Right. You know what I mean? That doesn't just but happen. I, I'm it's not trying the, to play devil's advocate, but you don't need, you don't, the only people that need to be held accountable, David, are the people that haven't taken the vaccine. No, Those so, people no, don't so need so to I'm, be held accountable. Are you kidding don't me? don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to say that these car wreck victims don't need treated just because they're drunk or, you know what I mean? Or, or, uh, no, every, I get what you're saying. And I'm not saying that either. I'm, I'm just saying, saying that, it seems like, that it's coming down awfully hard on people over COVID stuff. Yes. When there is a significant There's amount of other things that are preventable as well. Preventable that are actually problems. absolutely to be honest with you, they're actually more preventable than COVID. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I, yes. I, I'm yes. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. But if you don't get the vaccine, you're Satan. Exactly. You need to be fired from your job. But you need, because you're taking up a bed for someone that got absolutely hammered and decided to go out and ride their motorcycle. And I know, I'm just making it. No, all joke, of these people but, need to be treated. I, yeah, don't get oh, yeah, me wrong. Absolutely. I don't think we should just say, oh, drunk driver, fuck him. I'm not saying that. No. I'm just saying, where is all of the outcry? For all these other preventable hospitalizations. You want to know the answer? Is that we're we're used to that. Yes, we are. That's that's the normal. Is that right? Oh, and we talk about it all the time at the hospital. People keep saying the no, new seriously, like so whenever winter ends, you know, when we have our first sunny day and the temperatures get, you know, say in the fifties. Everybody goes, Oh shit. No, people say it's, tr- it's trauma season. I'm serious that you get yeah. geared up and you I'm know, telling you that day, 10 people will come in wrecking their four wheelers. Well, I wish <laughs> that's kind of funny, but it's not. I wish that the new normal didn't mean that we had to live under like authoritarian rule. I wish that the new normal meant that everybody could treat COVID just like this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it was just normal yeah. somewhat. I mean, I don't want to say it's normal, but I don't want the new normal to be living in like communist USA. Mm. Um, and I know, I'm, but you know what I mean? Like I, how, how come the new normal can't be, Hey, um, let's live like this is normal, like the flu and everything else instead of the new normal being your kids have to wear masks to school. For, oh my God. Like, don't even I, get me started. No, I mean, I don't want to go down that path, but I mean, why can't that to be the new normal? Just like right. we were just saying that, oh, the reason that it's not, nobody says that about motorcycle wrecks and blah, 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 is because it's normalized. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't we let COVID be normalized instead of changing everything to anybody with COVID and that is spreading it or could spread it is Satan? Yep. <laughs> well, it's we've been going on almost two hours and I want to switch subjects somewhat because right in the middle of I've talked on your podcast about my pandemic hobby that I started here recently of smelting in my at home foundry, which I broke the crucible. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. are some ingots sitting there. You see Keep them? talking, buddy. I'm getting a beer. Do you want one? Sure. Um, 
Actually, I'm going to play a little bit of music. Um, if you don't mind. <clears throat> Shitting on my coat. Oh, sorry. So we're back, and is this time um, you can the music actually played this time. I'm not gonna edit out where it didn't play because then it's not funny. Um, so you might lose some listeners though. They're gonna be like, "Fuck this! This show sucks." <laughs> this person took a break. Is gonna play some music, and then it just goes goes blank for three minutes. Um. Oh. This isn't Rascal uh, Flats. This isn't Lee Scruggs or anything like that on here. I'll tell you that right now. Um, they no Chris Stapleton. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, what I was going to tell you is from our po- the podcast that I recorded or that you recorded that I was on just hell I don't know what couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I was talking about me smelting in my foundry. Had my did my crucible get destroyed yet? No. Yeah, so I like heated it so much that my crucible was glowing. And when I went to grab it, it like broke. Like it just moved like metal. So, that's a, so David, you're holding a graphite ingot mold. Mm-hmm. I have two of them. And you see right there everything I was able to make. There's four solid copper ingots. It's pretty cool looking, isn't it? Yes, and uh, what I thought was hilarious is that, uh, so you called both of these the same weight. Did you not? No, no, no. no you, you said that these were both 
two kilogram molds. I I don't. I'm trying to determine the, the aluminum. So they're the same volume, yeah. but the aluminum, the resulting aluminum is like five ounces. This, right. This may be a kilogram. Well, the, the, or two kilograms. The, that's I don't. That it is confused. I don't even know what the hell it means. You know what I mean? They sell that thing as a two kilogram ingot mold, but I, I, I don't know if they are talking about volume. I don't even know what it is. But it's fascinating. I like the copper. I think the copper is cool. Um, I need to polish it off with a like a steel brush on my grinding wheel uh-huh. and get maybe a stamp to get it on there. But oh, the yeah. the aluminum to me right now is actually cooler because I made that literally made that out of just cans that mm-hmm. I melted. And that I mean that's pretty cool, isn't it? So I'm, no, I know you never went and picked up that um, electric cable I tipped you off on. Oh shit, is it still there? Because I saw it out there again today. I'll get it. I need to get it. You don't think it'll shock me, do you? No, it's not connected to anything. Um, but take <clears> your but take your voltmeter out there, just in case. Yeah, jeez. But no, I bet you that's like a hundred pounds of aluminum in that cable, like because it's it's I've, just it, laying there. Cause, well, because it's many, 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 many feet long. So do I need and to coil it up? Well, yeah. Yeah, I'll get that. Dude, you'll see it the next time you drive up that road. You'll you'll see exactly what I'm talking about, and you're going to be like, oh, fuck yes, I'm going to go after this thing. Yeah, melt that into like a 100-kilogram ingot. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, it, it it's going to weigh less than <laughs> what you think. Yeah. Well, uh, so anyway, my crucible's crushed. What mm-hmm. I think I'm going to do is keep the burner that – came with my kit and i'm gonna make my own foundry like make it with a special cement there you can see it on youtube it's pretty easy oh, yeah. to make them i've seen a lot and then of i'll buy a bigger crucible because my crucible is too small like i could only make one of these per pour mm-hmm. i'd like to be able to load a bunch of it in there and pour some huge ones yeah i think it'd be cool yeah um it's pretty fascinating stuff to be honest with you yeah so do you have anything else you want to talk about I mean, I kind of went all, we went all over the place. I didn't have a specific theme other than I wanted to talk a little bit about speech, free speech stuff. Well, uh, I uh, do want to get out there um, after months and months and months of waiting. I finally got my sawmill. Oh, yeah. Now, I haven't put it all together yet. And uh, what I did, what I have assembled so far is uh, sitting in a mud pit after all that rain last night or this morning or whatever. Um, but no, in this next week, I hope to have the thing totally assembled and, um, I want to put some trees through it. I can't wait for that. Um, what else did I want to talk? I came over here. I had some ideas of what, like what else is going on, uh, in my life, but I can't remember everything. (laughs) Oh, we went out for uh, the Sturgill family uh, annual hog roast today, which was amazing. Um, and I was very, I was looking forward to being able to like take some of the select cuts of meat off of the hog because I thought they were smoking a whole hog. Um, and when I talk about the select cuts of meats, I mean, this might gross some people out, but I like to have the, the belly meat or the bacon. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cheek meat 
the uh, cheek meat, like off the hog's head, is awesome after it's been barbecued. But I learned that uh, they don't smoke. They smoke a whole hog minus the head because none of the females in that family uh, want to be smoking a hog's head. Hmm. Like they get grossed out or pissed off or something. Plus, by the way, by the time we got there today, they'd already uh, tore apart the whole carcass and, you know, just mixed all the meat together. Um. But it was good. But I yeah, I like to go after the belly meat or the bacon, right? I mean, everyone likes bacon. And then the cheek meat. It's tender and um, it's delicious. Oh, gosh. Bacon is so good. I've never had cheek meat, I don't think. Well, have you ever been to like a whole hog roast? Yeah, a couple they, times. Where And if they leave the carcass out on the barbecue or leave it on the pit or whatever, like... Those are my favorites where you can just pick your own meat off. If you have the hog's head there, cheek meat's good. And I know that sounds disgusting to people, but you have to imagine like it's muscle. I mean, there's muscle in your cheeks, you know, that you chew, you move your jaw around with and you blink your eyes and all this. So it's just, it's flesh, just like out of the legs and the ribs and all that. Um, And then depending on, you know, how you actually barbecue that hog's carcass, you know, you might even get some uh, cracklings or uh, pork rinds, you know, Mm -hmm. pork pork rind. Uh, I've got uh, microwavable ones right now inside. Yeah, you know, every now and then I like to gnaw on uh, one of the ears. And you're, you're giving me this look like you think it's disgusting, but you've clearly never taken full advantage of a hog roast. Like, no. We now, in, I've been to hog we, roasts where no, they're listen, in the pit. Listen, we in America throw out so much uh, edible meat and edible stuff. Like the rest of the world eats, Right. Mm-hmm. No, that's a fact. Uh, so, I mean, when was the last time you ate liver? Hardly ever, or, or like almost never. But they eat their nuts and well, no, uh, and uh, I bet you've never had kidneys from a cow or from a pig or from any animal. You've probably never eaten kidneys. Have you ever eaten the sweetbreads? You probably heard of sweetbreads, right? That's the pancreas. Does it taste good? Sweetbreads are awesome. They are awesome. <laughs> I just, it's just weird that we don't. I mean, do we? Does anybody eat the brain? We tend to not eat the brain because there are uh, <clears throat> theoretically some communicable diseases from um, the eat. central nervous system. Huh. If you've ever heard of Crutzfeld Jacobs disease, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a protein in the central nervous system of all living things that. Um, can cause this problem in people. It, really, it basically just drives you mad. It's yeah, the weird. mad cow disease thing. Mad, mad cow disease, the uh, spongiform uh, encephalopathy in deer. Uh, I mean, even like squirrel brains, rabbit brains can cause this in people. So, yeah, I think the civilized world doesn't eat brains anymore. But, you know, you can eat, I mean, you've probably heard of cow's tongue, mm-hmm. right? Cow's tongue is good. Now, I will admit that 
if I have to see the thing, it's gross. It's disgusting. Like the whole tongue. But if someone serves it to me at a restaurant. And they have hearts. Heart, the heart. Um, I think even uh, the lungs are considered a delicacy in some countries. I know that the testes. Oh, the... <laughs> Seriously, talking they, about the Rocky Mountain oysters, right? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the ram sheep. Testes. Over in China, they put them on um, skewers. Well, in China, they probably believe that it imparts some kind of fertility to the. No, exactly. Consumer. Well, they like because Ying's mom, they were, um, they have a picture of her with these, <clears throat> like, uh, what do you call them, shish kebab skewers with two testes on it from a from a cow Mm -hmm. they were huge Mm -hmm. it looked like basically two big old meatballs (laughs) and they were spiced with cumin and whatever i asked Mm -hmm. i said what in the hell is that and she said that's a thing that the that her mom was eating um to help consummate the marriage of her son yeah well i mean i think you just uh equate testicles with uh, testosterone and fertility and all that right mm-hmm. um i've never eaten testes <laughs> I, to laugh. I mean it just but sounds... apparently they're good uh you know the 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 ram sheep's testes out west um this like i said the so-called rocky mountain oysters uh, it's a delicacy out there when i heard they're be- like if you quarter them they're really good <laughs> uh, seriously seriously it's what <laughs> Um, you know, like I said, the, um, liver, kidneys, pancreas, I mean, hell over in, uh, Scotland, they eat the stomachs of, uh, sheep. I think that's, the, that's haggis, right? You tripe, tripe. Well, no, tripe is, uh, what's called the, uh, omentum in the abdomen. That's a, we got sick, Ying and I did because we got a, stomach from a like an actual stomach from a butcher and it wasn't cleaned you know how they have when you buy it it's usually so we had to we had to clean it ourselves, and we we thought we had it but we didn't and we both uh we cooked it up she fried it up and everything and we both ate one piece of it and it was gritty and nasty and pute it was nasty We'd, well, and then so, uh, we got sick. Diarrhea. The stomach is hard to eat, I think. I mean, you've, have you ever eaten the chicken gizzards? I've seen it. I've never eaten the, it. Chicken gizzards are basically their stomachs. Uh, although I think their anatomy is somewhat different from mammals. Um, <laughs> I can't believe we've gotten... We're talking. Yeah, we're talking about a hog. We're talking about hog roast and freaking eating cheek meat. And now we're talking uh, about somebody eating testicles on a skewer. But I just. But I think the point I was trying to make is, uh, in America, we don't eat a lot of the uh, animals that we slaughter, right? And well, and we don't throw it away necessarily. I think you know at these meat processing plants, all the the organ meat probably goes to. Hot dogs uh, or something. Well, it goes to hot dogs, and it, and then I think some of it goes to make like uh, pet food, like dog food or cat food or whatever. I know um, that I read a or saw a thing on YouTube that a lot of the meat that we eat, like off the shelf at Walmart, the cow was butchered thirty to forty five days before that. Well, uh, 
that's probably true. That's not unusual. Um, you know, if you go to a high-end steak restaurant where they may uh, age their own beef, they might have, uh, you know, a side of beef in their refrigerator for 90 days. Wow. And it's just, it's dry aging. And the thing is you have, there's certain enzymes in that, uh, flesh and that muscle tissue that start to break down, um, undesirable compounds, you know, and, and get rid of, uh, some of these off flavors and then it winds up uh, tenderizing the meat very well. But, you know, when, I think when the average person hears that, like, all uh, oh, this was, this has been in the refrigerator for 90 days, they're like, oh, God, that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. But in the proper conditions, that leads to really, really good steak. Yeah, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So your wood miser came in. Yeah, the wood miser came in. Um, <laughs> Have you gotten any of it put together? Put down the tracks or the the bed, so to speak. And uh, what I need to do is just put up the the moving part of it, which is that it's basically it's a giant bandsaw that goes down these tracks. So you lay a log down on the tracks or a tree or whatever you want to call it. And this bandsaw, you push it along, and it saws, you know, the top section of that log off. And the process is, you know, you're going to, so, and you can set the depth of the cut, whatever. uh, But the process is, you you know, you saw some off the top, then you rotate that 90 degrees, saw some more off the top, rotate it 90 degrees. You know, do that four times, and you come up with a square, more or less square piece of wood and um then you can that well i guess i i'm missing the point you can cut what's called slabs from the tree where you don't have to rotate it you know you just keep cutting off the top cutting off the top cutting off the top so what that's going to leave is the the bark on either side and every time is when you keep cutting down, it's going to get wider and wider and wider and then narrower and narrower and narrower as you go to the bottom. That would be called slab wood. Um, but if you cut off each side of it and make it square, then you're cutting a, quote, dimensional lumber. You can make two by fours or two by sixes or four by fours or four by six. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> And uh, I don't know what I'll do. I'll probably try to cut dimensional lumber. I think that's my goal with this. I, I don't think I really have much use for slab lumber myself. I mean, I might maybe I'll cut some slabs to, in an attempt to sell to people or to give to people. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, you can set the depth of cut for whatever depth you want. I think, or I know that you can set it in quarter inch increments. So you could cut a board that's a quarter inch thick all the way up to, I think the, I think the deepest cut I can make on this is eight inches. Wow. So I I could potentially make like a beam that's eight inches tall. How, uh, how long does the 
Well, how long do the blades last? Well, I think it depends on the wood that you're cutting. Uh, you know, if you're cutting hardwood, they're going to wear out quicker than if you cut softwood or, uh, you know, sapwood. Um, and then of course the, the big worry around here, you know, with, uh, trees in a, uh, uh, quote residential area, you know, I, we're not harvesting trees from like the Pacific Northwest, you know, where they're, they're growing fir trees just for harvest. The trees around here have very likely had, uh, barbed wire around them that's or, what i was going to say fence, fences hung or, up against some nails for some reason some of them have bullets in them um so if your blade encounters any of this metal like i mean that's going to wear it out uh and i've seen so many so i joined this uh face facebook group uh for wood miser and people put pictures of crazy shit up there all the time and um just uh, earlier today, I think I saw a post where this guy, he said he sawed through maple and in the near the very middle of that tree, he found something like a shotgun slug or a rifle bullet or something. Wow. So he knew that um, it happened earlier in his either, life. Well, either it had penetrated very deeply into it very recently or it had happened earlier in the tree's life. Um, but the, I think the, the lead bullets don't really affect the blades a lot. But if you run into a nail, like if someone's, or if you run into barbed wire, so someone has had a fence on that thing at some point, which, like I said, around here is very common. You know, you have to imagine these older trees that are falling down. Like I'm not going out and cutting trees down on purpose to run through the mill. I'm just finding the ones that have fallen down. So, these trees are a little, somewhat older, and they've been weakened for some reason. And sometimes that might be a fence. Um, I don't have a metal detector yet, but I want to get one. Do you have? I, a, do you I, have one? I had one. I think Dave Hot borrowed it. I don't remember. <clears throat> I don't think he still has it, but. I don't remember. Yeah, eventually I think I'll buy a metal detector because that's what everyone says. Like you have to run a metal detector over these trees or else you're going to lose, you're going to lose break blade. blades. Um, I, I right really want to see it operate. I, I tell uh, you what, that oak tree up there, I mean, I don't know if you can get, the, I've got it prepped and ready to get, and it is, that's a nice ass tree. I wondered if we could uh, take all the shit out of this trailer in here. And somehow transport some of those trees. Sure. Uh, seriously. I've got another well, three during weeks. the off season, you're going to, well, you can go without all that stuff in there, right? Yeah. And that, I think that trailer. Then I just have to figure out a way to get them on that trailer. That, that trailer will hold, I think, a thousand pounds. That's it? And a fourth out, two, a, t- two t- a ton. I bet you one of those trees out there, one of those big logs is probably. Three or four thousand pounds. Yeah, it probably will hold. I think each axle's a thousand pound, two thousand pounds. Probably two tons. Mm, these are these are usually thirty five hundred pound axles. Mm, that's so right. Seven thousand. Seven thousand. This is a two axle one, but I I don't know that for sure. Yeah, I'd say no. You're right. It's seven thousand. That rings a bell. <laughs> um, 
But anyway, eventually I want to start sawing some trees up, man. And um, I'm excited about that. Um, I posted on Facebook like, hey, I'm starting to build this thing. And uh, one person commented on that and said, uh, said, I'm super jealous. And I made the comment back. I said, hey, if you want to bring me some trees, I'll saw them for a small fee. And she said, oh, that's good to know. So maybe I can monetize this just a little bit. <laughs> Who knows? Um, what else, man? Like, oh, so I brought some of this June shine over to you. I know I haven't had a chance to try it yet. Yeah, I don't. Th- you're not going to like it because I didn't like it really. Um, but June shine, it's this uh, hard kombucha. So it's kind of like a hard seltzer, a hard seltzer, but it's made from kombucha. It's hard kombucha. It's, I don't know. It's um, it was very sour, not super good. It is six uh, percent alcohol though. And one of these I brought over here. Yeah, there it is. The uh, the midnight something or other. What is this? Yeah, it's called the uh, midnight painkiller. And uh, so this has got. Um, whatever the flavor is, it looks like it's uh, coconut and pineapple, some shit, orange nutmeg, honey, green tea, apple, cane sugar, uh, plus activated charcoal. That's the the big ingredient in this one. It's supposed to detoxify you. Whatever. <laughs> it tastes like crap. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it look. I hate to say it, it looks... Looks kind of suspect. Though. Shit. Oh my God, Sam. Grapefruit Paloma. Oh, so actually, that's Paloma. one of the best ones. The Grapefruit Paloma. <laughs> um, I, I kind I, I like that kind of stuff. I don't know if I like that particular particular one, but I do like that kind of stuff. Generally speaking, hard. Kombucha, buddy. Hard kombucha. Honey, ginger, like hard lemon. seltzer. <laughs> well, David, I think we've exhausted this conversation. Um, I feel like I'm maybe ready to call call to call an end to it. You know, we kind of went all over the different all over the place. I mean, this we've touched is, on stuff from the pandemic to eating testicles. Uh, this is your show, buddy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> No, uh, well, um, on that note, let's let's uh, let's uh, finish it up another time. I guess it's getting late. We've done two hours and twenty minutes. That's cool. It's a good cast. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, everybody, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, and please uh, stay tuned for some more content in the future. I haven't done this in a while. David, I asked him to come over. We didn't really have a very very specific topic. Just figured we would talk about a bunch of stuff. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Take it easy. Bye.